Okay, welcome back, Chip. Welcome back, I'm saying to you, not, not oh. these people. I'm, <laughs> I'm welcoming you back. <laughs> welcome back, Chip. Yeah, thanks. I, yeah. Yeah. It's been a long time. Yeah, 24 hours. Yeah. So, hey, welcome, everybody, to Chip and Eric reading through the Bible. Yeah, welcome to you guys, too, I guess. Yeah, please. Yeah. Come grab a seat. Yeah, hop in. Mm-hmm. We're on the bus to reading the Bible. Hey, so yesterday, we read a bunch of Psalms. Uh, before that, we uh, read the David and Bathsheba story and Solomon and all that stuff. So now we're moving on to Second uh, Samuel chapter 13, back to the narrative. I'm sure we'll be back to the Psalms tomorrow. We're back to the narrative right now. And so we're going to pick up Second Samuel chapter 13. The title of this section is The Rape of Tamar. Now David's son Absalom had a beautiful sister named Tamar, and Amnon, her half-brother, fell desperately in love with her. Amnon became so obsessed with Tamar that he became ill. She was a virgin, and Amnon thought he could never have her. But Amnon had a very crafty friend. His cousin Jonadab was his name. Uh, He was the son of David's brother Shimei. One day Jonadab said to Amnon, What's the trouble? Why should the son of a king look so dejected morning after morning? So Amnon told him, I am in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Well, Jonadab said, I'll tell you what to do. Go back to bed and pretend you're ill. When your father comes to see you, ask him to let Tamar come and prepare some food for you. Tell him you'll feel better if she prepares it as you watch and feed you with her own hands. So Amnon laid down and pretended to be sick. And then when the king came to see him, Amnon asked him, Please let my sister Tamar come and cook my favorite dish as I watch. Then I can eat it from her own hands. So David agreed and sent Tamar to Amnon's house to prepare some food for him. When Tamar arrived at Amnon's house, she went to the place where he was lying down so he could watch her mix some dough. Then she baked his favorite dish for him. But when she set the serving tray before him, he refused to eat. Everyone get out of here. Amnon told his servants, so they all left. Then he said to Tamar, now bring the food into my bedroom and feed it to me here. So Tamar took his favorite dish to him, but as she was feeding him, he grabbed her and demanded, come to bed with me, my darling sister. No, my brother, she cried. Don't be foolish. Don't do this to me. Such wicked things aren't done in Israel. Where could I go in my shame? Are you, and you would be called one of the greatest fools in Israel. Please, just speak to the king about it, and he'll let you marry me. But Amnon wouldn't listen to her, and since he was stronger than she was, he raped her. Then suddenly Amnon's love turned to hate, and he hated her more than he had ever loved her. Get out of here, he snarled at her. No, no, Tamar cried. Sending me away now is worse than what you've already done to me. But Amnon wouldn't listen to her. He shouted for his servant and demanded, Throw this woman out and lock the door behind her. So the servant put her out, locked the door behind her. She was wearing a long, beautiful robe, as was the custom in those days, for the king's virgin daughters. But now Tamar tore her robe and put ashes on her head, and then, with her face in her hands, she went away crying. Her brother Absalom saw her and asked, Is it true that Amnon has been with you? Well, my sister, keep quiet for now, since he's your brother. Don't you worry about it. So Tamar lived as a desolate woman in her brother Absalom's house. When King David heard what had happened, he was very angry. And though Absalom never spoke to Amnon about this, he hated Amnon deeply because of what he had done to his sister. Absalom's revenge on Amnon. 
Two years later, when Absalom's sheep were being sheared at Baal Hazor near Ephraim, Absalom invited all the king's sons to come to a feast. He went to the king and said, My sheep shearers are now at work. Would the king and his servants please come to celebrate the occasion with me? The king replied, No, my son. If we all came, we would be too much of a burden on you. Absalom pressed him, but the king would not come, though he gave Absalom his blessing. Well then, Absalom said, If you can't come, how about sending my brother Amnon with us? Why Amnon, the king asked. But Absalom kept on pressing the king until he finally agreed to let all his sons attend, including Amnon. So Absalom prepared a feast fit for a king. Absalom told his men, wait until Amnon gets drunk. Then, at my signal, kill him. Don't be afraid. I'm the one who has given the command. Take courage and do it. So at Absalom's signal, they murdered Amnon. Then the other sons of the king jumped on their mules and they fled. As they were on their way back to Jerusalem, this report reached David. Absalom has killed all the king's son, not one, sons, not one is left alive. The king got up, tore his robe, and threw himself on the ground. His advisors also tore their clothes in horror and sorrow. But just then, Jonadab, the son of David's brother Shimei, arrived and said, No, don't believe that, no, don't believe that all the king's sons have been killed. It was only Amnon. Absalom has been plotting this ever since Amnon raped a sister, Tamar. No, my lord the king, your sons aren't all dead. It was only Amnon. Meanwhile, Absalom escaped. Then the watchman on the Jerusalem wall saw a great crowd coming down the hill on the road from the west. He ran to tell the king, I see a crowd of people coming from the Horonaim road on the side of the hill. Look, Jonadab told the king, there they are now. The king's sons are coming, just as I said. They soon arrived, weeping and sobbing, and the king and all his servants wept bitterly with them, and David mourned many days for his son Amnon. Absalom fled to his grandfather, Talmai, son of Amihud, the king of Geshur. He stayed there in Geshur for three years, and King David, now reconciled to Ammon's death, longed to be reunited with his son, Absalom. Joab arranges for Absalom's return. This is 2 Samuel 14. Joab realized how much the king longed to see Absalom. So he sent for a woman from Tekoa who had a reputation for great wisdom. He said to her, pretend you are in mourning. Wear mourning clothes and don't put on lotions. Act like a woman who has been mourning for the dead for a long time. Then go to the king and tell him the story I am about to tell you. Then Joab told her what to say. When the woman from Tekoa approached the king, she bowed with her face to the ground in deep respect and cried out, O king, help me. What's the trouble? The king asked. Alas, I am a widow, she replied. My husband is dead. My two sons had a fight out in the field, and since no one was there to stop it, one of them was killed. Now the rest of the family is demanding, let us have your son. We will execute him for murdering his brother. He doesn't deserve to inherit his family's property. They want to extinguish only the coal I have left in my husband's name, and family will disappear from the face of the earth. Leave it to me, the king told her. Go home, and I'll see it to it that no one touches him. Oh, thank you, my lord, the king, the woman from Tekoa replied. If you are criticized for helping me, let the blame fall on me and on my father's house, and let the king and his throne be innocent. If anyone objects, the king said, bring him to me. I can assure you he will never harm you again. Then she said, please swear to me by the Lord your God that you won't let anyone take vengeance against my son. I want no more bloodshed. As surely as the Lord lives, he replied, not a hair on your son's head will be disturbed. Please allow me to ask one more thing of my lord the king, she said. Go ahead and speak, he responded. She replied, why don't you do as much for the people of God as you promised to do for me? 
You've convicted yourself in making this decision because you have refused to bring home your own banished son. All of us must die eventually. Our lives are like water spilled out on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. But God does not just sweep life away. Instead, he devises ways to bring us back when we have been separated from him. I have come to plead with the Lord my king because people have threatened me. I said to myself, perhaps the king will listen to me and rescue us from those who would cut us off from the inheritance God has given us. Yes, my lord the king will give us peace of mind again. I know that you are like an angel of God in discerning good from evil. May the Lord your God be with you. I must know one thing, the king replied, and tell me the truth. Yes, my lord the king, she responded. Did Joab put you up to this? And the Lord and the woman replied, My Lord, the king, how can I deny it? Nobody can hide anything from you. Yes, Joab sent me and told me what to say. He did it to place the matter before you in a different light. But you are as wise as an angel of God, and you understood everything that happens among us. So the king sent for Joab and told him, All right, go and bring back the young man Absalom. Joab bowed his face to the ground in deep respect and said, At last I know that I have gained your approval, my lord the king, for you have granted me this request. Then Joab went to Geshur and brought Absalom back to Jerusalem. But the king gave this order, saying, Absalom may go to his own house, but he must never come into my presence. So Absalom did not see the king. Absalom reconciled to David. Now Absalom was praised as the most handsome man in all Israel. He was flawless from head to foot. He cut his hair only once a year, and then only because it was so heavy. When he weighed it out, it came to five pounds. He had three sons and one daughter. His daughter's name was Tamar, and she was very beautiful. Absalom lived in Jerusalem for two years, but he never got to see the king. Then Absalom sent for Joab to ask him to intercede for him, but Joab refused to come. Absalom sent for him a second time, but again Joab refused to come. So Absalom said to his servants, Go and set fire to Joab's barley field, the field next to mine. So they set his field on fire as Absalom had commanded. Then Joab came to Absalom at his house and demanded, Why did your servants set my field on fire? And Absalom replied, Because I wanted you to ask the king one thing, why he brought me back from Geshur if he didn't intend to see me. I might as well have stayed there. Let me see the king. If he finds me guilty of anything... Then let him kill me. So Joab told the king what Absalom had said. Then at last David summoned Absalom, who came and bowed low before the king, and kissed. And the king kissed him. Second Samuel chapter 15, this is Absalom's rebellion. After this, Absalom bought a chariot and horses, and he hired 50 bodyguards to run ahead of him. Now, he just could have hired us. And, yeah, we would have done it. Yeah. He got up early every morning, and he went out to the gate of the city. When people brought a case to the king for judgment, Absalom would ask where in Israel they were from, and they would tell him their tribe. Then Absalom would say, you've really got a strong case here. It's too bad the king doesn't have anyone to hear it. I wish I were the judge. Then everyone could bring their cases to me for judgment, and I would give them justice. When people tried to bow before him, Absalom wouldn't let them. Instead, he took them by the hand and kissed them. Absalom did this with everyone who came to the king for judgment, and, he, and so he stole the hearts of all the people of Israel. A lot of kissing there. Yeah. After four years, Absalom said to the king, Let me go to Hebron to offer a sacrifice to the Lord and fulfill a vow I made to him. For while your servant was at Geshur in Aram, I promised a sacrifice to the Lord in Hebron, if he would bring me back to Jerusalem. All right, the king told him, go and fulfill your vow. So Absalom went to Hebron. 
But while he was there, he sent secret messengers to all the tribes of Israel to stir up a rebellion against the king. As soon as you hear the ram's horn, his message read, you are to say, Absalom has been crowned king in Hebron. He took 200 men from Jerusalem with him as guests, but they knew nothing of his intentions. While Absalom was offering the sacrifices, he sent for Ahithophel, one of David's counselors, who lived in Gilo. Soon, many others also joined Absalom, and the conspiracy gained momentum. David escapes from Jerusalem. A messenger soon arrived in Jerusalem to tell David, All Israel has joined Absalom in a conspiracy against you. Then we must flee at once, or it will be too late. David urged his men, Hurry! If we get out of the city before Absalom arrives, both we and the city of Jerusalem will be spared from disaster. We are with you, his advisors replied. Do what you think is best. So the king and all the household set out at once. He left no one behind except ten of his concubines to look after the palace. The king and all the people set out on foot, pausing at the last house, to let all the king's men move past to lead the way. There were 600 men from Gath who had come with David, along with the king's bodyguard. Then the king turned and said to Atai, the leader of the men from Gath, Why are you coming with us? Go back to King Absalom, for you are a guest in Israel, a foreigner in exile. You arrived only recently, and should I force you today to wander with us? I don't even know where we will go. Go back and take your kinsmen with you, and may the Lord show you his unfailing love and faithfulness. But Atai said to the king, I vow by the Lord and by your own life that I will go wherever my lord the king goes, no matter what happens, whether it means life or death. David replied, All right, come with us. So Atai and all his men and their families went along. Everyone cried loudly as the king and his followers passed by. They crossed the Kidron Valley and they went out toward the wilderness. Zadok and all the Levites also came along, carrying the Ark of the Covenant of God. They set down the Ark and uh, they set down the Ark of God, and Abiathar offered sacrifices until everyone had passed out of the city. Then the king instructed Zadok to take the Ark of God back into the city. If the Lord sees fit, David said, he will bring me back to see the Ark in the tabernacle again. But if he is through with me, then let him do what he seem, what seems best to him. The king also told Zadok the priest, Look, here is my plan. You and Abiathar should remain should return quietly to the city with your son Ahimaz and Abiathar's son Jonathan. I will stop at the shadows of the Jordan River and wait there for a report from you. So Zadok and Abiathar took the Ark of God back to the city and stayed there. David walked up the road to the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went. His head was covered, and his feet were bare as a sign of mourning. And the people who were with him covered their heads, and they wept as they climbed the hill. When someone told David that his advisor Ahithophel was now backing Absalom, David prayed, saying, O Lord, let Ahithophel give Absalom foolish advice. When David reached the summit of the Mount of Olives, where people worshipped God, Hushai the archite was waiting there for him. Hushai had torn his clothing and put dirt on his head as a sign of mourning. But David told him, If you go with me, you will only be a burden. Return to Jerusalem and tell Absalom, I will now be your advisor, O king, just as I was your father's advisor in the past. Then you can frustrate and counter Ahithophel's advice. Zadok and Abiathar the priests will be there. Tell them about the plans being made in the king's palace, and they will send their sons Ahimaz and Jonathan to tell, to tell me what is going on. So David's friend Hushai returned to Jerusalem, getting there just as Absalom arrived. 
Okay. Okay. Man, that was a long reading. That, like, I was thinking that. About, that was like, about halfway through, I'm like, man, we are not even close. And I tell you, it was kind of like a, a soap opera, like all these different segments. And I'm like, where are we at now? I'm like, okay. If it was in Korean, Shannon would be all over it. <laughs> yeah. She, yeah. That's probably true. She loves the Korean dramas. She would have loved that. Yeah. Yeah, she would have. Hmm. Wow. So much there. So much there. So much there, and it's very complicated. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to make this as simple as possible. Okay. Who you hang with and who you allow into your circle of influence mm-hmm. can make all the difference. That's the so what today. I would say be very careful with who you allow into your circle of influence, meaning those people that you give permission to influence you to speak into your life. So we know early on that uh, Jonadab... You know, he was a very crafty friend, mm-hmm. you know, and, and <laughs> that wasn't a good thing. Uh, that, that was a bad thing, you know, and he kind of gave some advice to Amnon, which led to a very, very bad decision and created all this family drama down the road. So it all started with this advice. And I think it's pretty important to filter what people say uh, through the word of God. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know, w- what is the will of God? What's that thing that pleases him and brings him joy? You know, I, I don't think he hides it from us. I think we have to be discerning and careful. And it starts, number one, with this passion in your heart, what, you know, God gives you through the Holy Spirit. What is he telling you? What's that, what's that nudge? You know, what, what's, you know, some people, one person say, you know, what's your gut telling you? You know, I think a lot of the times, um, uh, a past mentor of mine, Butch Norton said, you know, God thinks many times speaks through our gut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's the Holy Spirit. So you got that leaning, and then and then it's the Word of God. You know, what what's God saying through His Word? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and, and then from there, it's it's people. And many times today, Eric, I'm seeing a very troubling trend where we go to people right away. We bypass the right, Word of right. God and, and, and the Spirit of God, yeah, and we yeah. go right to people. We go to number mm-hmm. three, and we bypass two and one, and we think, so you know, true. these are great people. And these people at number three don't know anything, might not know much about what God's saying to you in two and one with the Spirit of God and the Word of God. So I think that's a dangerous trend. I think we're doing it a lot today. And, 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 and I struggle with that too at times. You know, it's it's easier. It's more tangible, you know. And so, but it's dangerous. And we got to be very careful that we seek God, His, His will and His way and His Word. And then... When you get to number three, when you get to people that you allow in your circle of influence, be very careful who they are yep. and, and what their track record is. And and then it needs to line up with two and one. Right. Filter it. The word of God and the spirit yep. of God. Filtered. Yep. Very good. So <coughs> what that means is that sometimes some of the hardest decisions you ever have to make are the right decisions. And some of those hard decisions will be... To, to remove someone from that circle of influence. Mm-hmm. Love them, care for them, pray for them, do kind things to them, but limit the time you spend with them because it could be dangerous and evil and they could be very crafty and, <laughs> and not in a good way. Yeah. So that's tough. That is tough. I've had to do it. Some of you are, are wrestling with it right now. And I would say nine times, no, I would say 10 out of 10. People that walk away from fully following Jesus it's always connected to someone that they have allowed into their circle of influence. Mm. 10 out of 10. Wow. That confident. Wow. Okay. Well, that's a great so what. 
I don't have a very long Where's Jesus. Okay. I just see a very interesting thing. It's probably a good thing because we're going on 20 minutes here. I just saw something very interesting here. So um, when they left Jerusalem, when David left Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and he crosses the Kidron Valley, um, mm-hmm. and everyone's kind of crying, and oh, you know, yeah. and he's got just his closest followers with him and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think it's interesting. This is... I don't know if this is even a trivial where's Jesus, if you can oh, say that. Okay. But there's a time when Jesus leaves Jerusalem, crosses the Kidron Valley, oh, yeah. and weeps. Yeah. And it's as he crosses, mm. when he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane, he crosses the Kidron to get there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like all kind of circling around like there's this only his close followers and then... You know, this overall sadness that Jesus is experiencing, this this horrible weight of the sadness. Then the betrayal of Absalom, the betrayal of Judas. Yeah. Like, there's just so much parallel there. Wow, that's that good. David probably experienced a lot of the things that Jesus experienced when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Wow. So, not to the same level, of course. So, that's where I see Jesus today. Interesting. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's, it's not like a really it. super meaningful one, but it's kind of, it just gives more yeah. sort of history to Jesus as a person. You know, as yeah. you know, some of his experiences. So, hey, all right. Okay. Well, hey, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you and so glad you're on this journey. We hope you have a great day. Share this with friends and family and, and stick with it. Stay at it. Yeah. You'll be blessed by it. Hey, if you're just joining us, oh, you can go back <laughs> to the very beginning. There you go. In the beginning. And oh, I guess we're not having I guess we're not having that tomorrow. <laughs> Go back and binge the Bible, guys. You can go back to the beginning of the year, binge the Bible. You'll catch up in no time, and you can still finish the whole Bible in one year with Chip and Eric. We want you to do it. We believe you can do it. And thank you guys for joining us today. Have a great day. All right. Bye-bye.